Good morning. Welcome to the creek. Thank you for enduring the heat yet again. Um, I have been praying for cooler weather and rain. So, you know, if you, maybe we just need Elijah to pray for rain. I don't know. I mean, I hope we're not in a three-year deal. But anyway, uh, thank you for being here. If this is your first time, welcome to the creek. If you would fill out one of those guest cards so we can have some information. Uh, just to send you some information about who we are and begin a dialogue Uh, We think that finding a church home is an important step in your spiritual journey, and uh, making a well-informed decision of that is even more important. So if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have your Bible, um, we have one on the end of the rows for you, and if you don't own a Bible, you can take that home. It's not stealing uh, because we're giving you permission. And uh, if, if you don't own a Bible, then you don't know that it says, thou shall not steal. So Um, It's all right. You'll cover with grace. Um, So we're going to be in Matthew 25 today. Uh, I've been accused of having a baby face, and um, it kind of, it used to bother me when I was younger, but now I welcome it uh, because uh, now instead of pointing out my baby face, I get people pointing out that I have, you know, this platinum blonde coming in on the side of my head. And um, so, hey, that's, that's distinguished in wisdom. That's right. Um, it's uh, what one of our men call it Bible study, being a silverback. So uh, we will, uh, yeah, you get the reference there. Um, so, but uh, when I was younger and entered the workforce, um, this baby face was a problem for me because um, people wouldn't take me seriously. So I grew a beard and uh, I had some, some hippie-ish hair, you know, um, I liked having some longer hair, and uh, if anybody ever made fun of it, I could come back with, you know, hey, as long as I got it, I'm going to do what I can with it. Um, so I had this beard, and, you know, and, and we ended up at a dinner with several people we, we work with, um, some people Heather worked with, and, and all this, and I don't do well in social environments, mingling, really um, not one of my favorite things to do. And so I was kind of being quiet, you know, I was the wallflower at the, at the party. I only do it here because that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, baby. Um, trust me, if I could sit alone, I would. Um, so I'm wallflowering it at this thing, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to, you know, and, and I'm picking out different people and kind of making my own little assessments of them, you know. I love people watching. And I ended up in a conversation with some people that... Uh, really ended up becoming some of Heather and I's best friends. And they told me uh, at, at that moment, or after, a few months after that, that they were intimidated to talk with me because I had a beard and I just didn't look friendly. And um, I don't know, beard equals unfriendly? That's the, what a stereotype. Uh, but I just looked unfriendly, and so they didn't want to talk to me. And as we got to know each other, they said, we, we kind of pegged you as a bear, you know, like, like a, oh, you know, don't talk to me, you know. And after we got to talking, I mean, you know, I, I can talk. Um, once we got talking, they said they changed the name to Teddy Bear. And I'm like, wait a second, bring the bear back, all right? The bear at least implies some masculinity and, you know, don't mess with me, some mans, you know. But, but Teddy Bear, no, no. I think of Winnie the Pooh, you know. And I just, oh, Bob. So anyway, I had to squeeze that in. Sorry. 
But I don't know if you've ever been there where you may have missed out on a relationship with someone because of appearance or because of a misconception that you held in your mind or uh, because someone else said something about them that they didn't really, it wasn't full truth. And so you walk away not having a relationship with someone because of of a misconception or even a half truth or even a lie that you bought into about that individual. I know I have. Um, And I think we all have. Today, this morning in Matthew 25, I want us to begin to develop uh, an accurate view and an accurate faith with Jesus. Uh, He talks through this parable of the ten talents. And I think we tend to read this uh, through and and get a meaning about money and God trusting us with money. And if we show ourselves trustworthy, we're going to get more money. And uh, let's get money off the table this morning, okay? This is, there's a, there's a truth I think that we've missed in this parable and it's making sure our faith is accurate. And so Jesus is going to talk about this. I think many people miss out on a relationship with God because they have a misconception about Jesus. I think they've been sold a Jesus that is not true. I think they've been sold that God is, is, is going to be on their side and becomes their little uh, method to get what they want that if, if I can just say and muster up enough faith, uh, God will do what I command him to do. God is not our genie in a bottle. And honestly, I've bought into that mentality and had to come to the reality that that's not who God is. And, and I think a lot of people miss out on that relationship with God because of their misconceptions or because they see other people or heard other people uh, talk about God in a way that is not the truth. And so we're going to explore that this morning. But let's understand something, that God pursues us and wants a relationship. I cannot set out and say, I'm going to set out on this spiritual journey and I'm going to go find God. The only way that that we encounter God is God reveals himself to us. And God desires to reveal himself to us in a relationship. He desires it to be personal. Last week, in the beginning part of Matthew 25, we talked about having a faith that is personal. It is wedding lingo. If, you, if you're married, your marriage is the most beautiful picture of God's relationship with his people. Um, your marriage, first and foremost, to glorify God. It's not your happiness or their happiness or um, to have the best kids on the block um, or to you know, be at the right school. It's, it's not any of that. Your marriage, your primary focus in marriage is to glorify God through how you love each other. And that is a beautiful picture of the gospel at work through Jesus and the church. And so he pursues us. And um, he's speaking to some religious people, talking about the end of days. And uh, we're going to be end of days part three. Um, I thought about doing Matthew 25, all one. But uh, I think there's truths in here that we need to stop and really let hit us. And so this morning, I hope that you're on a collision course with Jesus Jesus, who Jesus really is, not any other false thing, no preconceived notion or misconception of Jesus, but Jesus, God's son, God in the flesh, fully human, fully God. And so let's get into this. Uh, This is going to be the parable of the talents. Talent here is a sum of money. Um, I'm going to give you the sum of money, but but I don't want us to get hung up in this, that this is a money, money passage, okay? This talent, they would take their precious metal, a lot of times silver, and they would melt it down and they would make this disc. It would be about an 80-pound disc of silver. Um, 
value, the street value, uh, would be about $275,000. Okay, to me, $275,000 today in 2011 AD is a lot of money, you know. That's how you have to say it, you know, because it's that much to me. But um, think about it in first century, 33 AD. Um, I think 275, I would probably say, if I was standing before you in, in uh, 33 AD, and I was talking about $275, I'd go, $275 is a lot of money, but 275000 okay? So let's set the stage here and understand this, that he's going to give talents. He's going to give five, two, and one. He's giving a lot of money, okay, to his servants. So let's, let's understand that regardless of that, it's a lot of money. And so we've got to understand that God gives us exactly what we need. There are times, and I will tell you, I'm at the front of the line whining to God. And, you know, you have those gut wrench. I, I encourage you and I say, you know, get honest with God. Have those gut honest conversations with God. And there are times when I am on my face being just gut honest with God. God, I don't like this. This is a problem for me. We got to talk. We got to deal with this. You're not giving me everything I need here. And then God... <laughs> If you're going to get honest with God, he's going to get real honest with you. And he's going to tell you the same thing he tells me. He says, I give you exactly what you're needing. You are frustrated at me because I'm not giving you what you want. And then I have to repent and go through that whole process. And and God humbles me. But God gives us exactly what we need. Let's read this. We'll start in verse 14. Says this. Uh, this is Jesus speaking again. The 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 kingdom coming. The end of days. Uh, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability, then went on his journey. Let's understand something. He gave talents according to his ability. God gives us exactly what we need to have a relationship with him. He's not going to give us too much, and he's not going to give us too little. We've got to understand this. Think about it in this context. The man that he gave one talent to, if he would have given the five, it could have been a responsibility that would crush him. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen these people in the workplace. Um, To me, I call them EGR, the extra grace required people, um, where uh, they're promoted beyond their ability um, because they know how to play a system and play a game. And I'm not throwing rocks at a person. I'm throwing rocks at a system where we promote people that don't have the ability to perform the position. And you see, just it's just a matter of time. You've got a one-talent guy in a five-talent position. And what happens is, over time, that position crushes him. And it doesn't just crush him, it crushes the people around him. And you have an entire organization that goes through an issue. You have this in churches, you know, we, God gives us according to our ability. And, and it, it's not a, a money thing. Let's quit focusing on that. God, I, I need more money. I need more money. One pastor said, you only get as much money. God will only give you as much money as your character will handle. Well, I'm praying for character then. You know, <laughs> get off of that. God gives you exactly what you need. It, it's God's sovereign strategy if you think about it. 
God put you exactly where you are for the exact purpose you're here because he knew that's what you needed to have a relationship with him. I'm going to jump over to Acts chapter 17 real quick. Um, you can go there if you want. It's just a few, uh, couple books to the right. Um, Acts chapter 17. These are the Acts of the Apostles, or this is really where the church is just just exploding and, and blowing and going. This is a little passage where Paul goes into the city of Athens and begins to preach at the people in Athens. I'm going to go to verse uh, 17, or I'm sorry, 24. Uh, so this is Paul talking to the people. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands, which is a good thing because remember he said a couple weeks ago, I'm going to destroy the temple. Not one stone will be on top of another. His temple is now people, which is so good. I love that. Um, And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. Get this. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Why did he do this? God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. See, God puts you exactly in the family, in the time, this point in history, this day, everything. He gave you exactly what you need to have a relationship with you, and it is exactly what he knew through his sovereign strategy that he needed to reach you. Maybe you grew up in a great family, and you were, you were taught who Jesus is, and, and your, that, that spiritual value was invested in your life. That doesn't make, mean that you are a good person, that somehow God is rewarding you because of uh, just he is good and he wants to reward you and put you in a great family. Likewise, it's not true that God is punishing you because you may have grown up in abuse. You may have grown up in a family where God was never discussed. And that is not God's punishment. Get this. God puts you exactly where he did because he knew the best way to reach you. I'm not saying that God puts you in abuse, but I'm saying God can redeem that. And so we have to understand that. that, I mean, think sometimes we we think this. I don't know if you do. I do sometimes. If I would have been born into Billy Graham's family, man, there'd be no doubt I would be like this powerful Christian man. (laughs) You know what? In God's sovereign strategy, he probably knows that if I would have born into Billy's family, I may have never even come to Christ at all. Or I would become some religious jerk. And so God put me in the family I did. My mother and my father invested in my life spiritually. I grew up in a home of love and support and grace. I grew up in a home of discipline. And that is important. But God put me exactly in the family he did because he knew that was the best way to reach me. Same thing for you. God gives us exactly what we need. It is his sovereign strategy. He, gave us, he gives us all different amounts. Here's the thing. I can look at other people and begin to compare what God has given them versus what God has given me, and I can be disappointed. Or I can look at how much God has given me and how little he's given someone else and become very prideful. Either way, when I start looking that way, I do nothing to glorify God. 
and I start getting in this mentality of, God, I need more. God, I need more. God, I need more. And then when the pressure becomes too big to handle, God, you gave me too much. I mean, I, can, I cannot and you cannot stand before God at the judgment, at, at the point of eternity, and say, God, I couldn't believe in you because you didn't give me enough. You didn't give me enough faith to overcome all these doubts that I have. You didn't give me enough money to be able to live comfortably to say you've blessed me. God, you didn't give me enough health because I struggled and and every time that I got sick, it was a challenge to get healthy. You didn't give me that. God, you didn't give me enough for me to have a relationship with you. God's gonna say, I gave you everything you need. I gave you life, breath, and everything else so that you may reach out to me and have a relationship with me. He gives us what we need. Um, let's go on. Verse 16, not only does he give it to us, he, he does expect us to do something with it. You know, he expects us to be faithful with what he gives us. He doesn't expect us to whine about it or to be prideful about it, but he expects us to be faithful with it. This is verse 16. Uh, He says this, the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Let me stop here for a second. I get this mental picture. Um, Maybe maybe the, the third servant felt like the master didn't give him enough. I mean, because think about it. He's seeing this guy get five, this guy get two. And so he's thinking, I'm probably going to fall somewhere. You know, you, you, you do the planning. That's, you know, you do the financial planning. Here's how much I need God to bless me with. You understand what I'm talking about. And so he gets one. Was it not enough? But he takes it and he buries it. He puts it in the ground and he sits on it. I mean, I, I think of like a hen sitting on the eggs, you know, I, I've never approached a hen to try to take the eggs, um, but I'm sure it's not an easy thing. I mean, because they're probably pretty protective, wouldn't you think? That's their offspring. Um, so they're sit- I just get this image, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess sitting like this. So the guy's sitting on his talent, and he is uh, defending it. If anybody comes close, don't you come close to my talent. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to, it's going to be on, buddy. You know, I think we do that in church. Um, I'm sitting right here till Jesus comes back. Praise the Lord, you know. Get up off your talent, okay? Um, God is saying, get up, get up. You know, you're going to get really sore, and, and it's, it's like the big wallet. I can't wear a wallet in my back pocket. I, I feel like I'll be lopsided, and, you know, I'll have long-term health issues. I think too many people are sitting on their talents in church and they become lopsided and get bed sores and infected and they got long-term spiritual health issues. Get up, walk, do something. He's saying, be faithful with what I've given you. And uh, let's understand this. The talents represent opportunities to use abilities. The talent is not the ability. I can really spiritualize a lot of things um, and, and God blessing me is something I can very much spiritualize. Say, God, give me this talent because that's my ability to do what you've called me to do. God, you want me to do this, so you need to give me these abilities to do it. And God's saying, you're missing the point. The talents represent the opportunities to use the abilities I've already given you. And so we've got to be faithful to use our abilities and the opportunities God opens up for us. 
that doesn't mean we got to sit back and go, God, if you'll give me more, I can have greater ability. Or God, I, I need a bigger opportunity here. You know, I think we tend to get uh, really hung up on trying to do everything ourselves. Like, you know, we become a Christ follower and, and God does. He says, he gives us commission and says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Build the kingdom. And I think we take it on like, I've got to do all this myself. I've got nobody to help me. You know, I, I, I kind of feel this way sometimes uh, in life. Like, well, if somebody would just come along and tell me, help me, it'd be a whole lot easier, but I've got to do everything by myself. You, you know what I'm talking about. You've been through that. You've experienced that. I'll just do it myself. Well, you know what? You're going to wear yourself out, and you're going to think your opportunity's not big enough, and you're going to end up frustrated, and then you're going to end up sitting back on your talent. And, and you're going to go through all that nasty process that we just talked about. Um, in 1 Corinthians 4, it says we've been given a trust. And we have to be faithful with this trust. I think we sometimes miss out on this truth. Let's just be honest here. Uh, I said in the first service, it's just us girls. Let's be honest about something. We all struggle with our faith. If, if you don't struggle and have doubts sometimes then you need to question that. Um, if you don't have doubts big enough that cause you to question your faith, then do you have enough faith to believe as strong as you think you do? I struggle with faith. We all struggle with faith. We're human. I struggle with trust. We all struggle with trust. Here's a truth that has to sink into us. God believes in us. When we struggle in our, with our belief in God, God believes in me. When I get worried, and God, can I trust you on this? And I know the scripture says you're trustworthy, but God, I'm just feeling the pressure. And, and God says, you can trust me. Here's the one thing that we have to understand about God, is he trusts us. He gives us these abilities. He gives us these opportunities. He says, I give you this because I trust you with it. I believe in you. I believe you can do this. And he gives us these opportunities. And trust is something that I, I think uh, really when our trust gets tested, it's a test to see how well we can be trusted, not how well God can be trusted. When I was a kid, you know, I grew up on a farm, and you know, uh, my dad went on a trip, and he brought home a knife. And this knife was for me. And I was like, sweet. You know, a little boy, I mean, just do the math. Little boy, knife, farm, what could be better? A gun, no, um, a Red Ryder BB gun with, um, with uh, never mind. So he brought home this knife, and I was mesmerized by it. It was so cool. I mean, it just, ah, and, you know, I just felt so manly being able to walk around the farm with a knife in my pocket, you know, like, yeah. And when we go and have to cut the hay, I can use my knife, you know. And if I have to dig out the dirt under my fingernails, I can use my knife, you know. And so I was so excited about this, um, but I was not ready to handle the responsibility of this knife yet. And so my dad told me, you know, when you get older and you can handle this, then I'll give it to you. But I knew where he kept it. Um, I knew where in the drawer it was placed. And uh, um, one day, um, my mother said we're going to the mall, which was an event, because going to the mall meant uh, uh, her having to deal with us. Um, my brother, actually. I was an angel. Um, I'm just kidding. 
Um, I always thought this growing up. I thought going to church on Sundays and going to the mall always ended with a beating or a spanking. You know, that discipline, that godly correction, you know. Uh, I just, you know, I just thought that's the way it rolled, you know. But uh, this particular day, we're going to the mall, and my best friend and his mom were going with us. And I think, I'm going to show him that knife. And so I reach in, and I get the knife, and I put it in my pocket. And I mean, I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm walking through the mall like, yeah, what's up? You know, I got, I got a knife, man. You don't want to mess with me. I'm four and a half, going on five. You know, but um, I remember being in the grocery, or the, the uh, jewelry store, and as boys do, we crawl into things and under things. And so we're crawled under this jewelry case. And I was like, you got to see this, man. I got the coolest thing. And so I pull out the knife and I was like, check that out. And so we're just mesmerized by this knife. Like that's the, I mean, it, it was like we saw fire for the first time. You know, I mean, I mean, you just, it's light. You know, I've just, we've just discovered some great mystery of the universe. We were that mesmerized by it. And then we heard our mothers calling. We're like, okay, we got to go. And so we both try to start closing the knife. It's a lock blade. I do not have the ability to handle this knife yet. So both of us end up coming out with bloody hands and a knife and having to show our mothers that we don't have the trust to have this knife. Well, not only that day did I have to deal with my mother, or my mother have to deal with me, but my dad also had some, some, some wisdom for me. Um, and uh, uh, the knife got put somewhere else. But uh, a lot of times we try to rush God in giving us something. I, I'm convinced this that if, if God were to give us everything we want, that would crush us because we cannot handle it. God understands in his wisdom how much we can be trusted with. You know, and, and, and maybe let's quit this mentality of God. Give me more so you can trust me more. God, give me these opportunities to develop more trust so I can get more stuff or get, get more opportunity. You know what, let's, let's, let's back up here and humble ourselves and say, God, help me to be faithful with what you have trusted me with. And let's understand the truth that God's trusted us with it. You know, I, I love that God trusts me with so much. And God has trusted us as a church with so much. He's trusted us to take care of so many things in our community in this area. And here's the, the truth that weighs on me in such a holy way, yet heavy way, is God trust us as Marine Creek Church to go into this area and preach Jesus and to make sure we're preaching a clear, accurate view of Jesus. And we can love people and make Jesus clear. And that's what he wants us to do. He trusts us to do that. And that's what we have to do. Um, let's, get, let's go on. Um, I'm going to go on to verse uh, 20 or 19. Um, Let's make sure this is going to wrap it up here. I'm going to land this plane because our, our flight data recorder, as we called it in the first service. Uh, I don't know. Verse 19. Um, this is to make sure our faith is accurate. I think a lot of us have different ideas, and we're going to see these servants and how they viewed their master um, and how inaccurate it can be. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, look, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Here's the one thing we've got to understand. These two servants had an accurate view of their master in their relationship. They, they saw they got to, to work and be, re, be responsible with the opportunities presented to them. Both of these men gained more because they were faithful in their opportunities. It's not that they were faithful in their ability. They used their ability and the opportunity and it grew. We tend to think that the, the reward here is, hey, both of them got double. So if I do what God tells me to do, he's going to double bless me. He's going to give me double let, let's get back. Let the reward is very relational. This is relationship over production. The reward here is he said, yes, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. But the reward is what is after that. He said, come share in your master's happiness. It's not what, what the master gave them and then they, they turned a profit and now the master's excited because they turned a profit. The master is very relational. He says, I want you and, and yeah, you were faithful with this and I'll give you more to be faithful with because I can trust you with more. But here's the bottom line. I want you. Come and share with me. Let's go and share in our happiness. And we miss that that is what the reward really is. The accurate view of faith is relationship over production. We tend to get in a, a, a religious type of view where it's production, production. If I can just show God how good I am, if I can just produce enough for God, it'll keep him off my back. I mean, we get this view of God as the Godfather. You know, we come into church on Sunday and God's sitting there like, where's my money? You know, give me some money and I'll keep you. I'll be off your back for another week. You know, Michael is not the archangel. It's Vito, the archangel. You know, that's not an accurate view of God. I mean, we don't, we don't try to be a good boy or be a good girl to keep God off our back. We don't have to try to earn the affection of daddy here. We are in a relationship with God. The accurate view is God wants us, not what we can do for him. He is not served. In Acts 17, he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. He wants us. He went from heaven to earth, walked the earth, walked the hill to Calvary, hung on a cross, laid in a tomb, walked out of the tomb because he wants us. He wants me. He wants you. Let that, let that just wash over you that, that it's not what you do for God. It's that God wants you. And we fall into this trap of thinking if I can just do enough, he'll love me. I think when we have an accurate faith and we understand God wants me, that faith will lead to a relationship that does produce. This is a, this is a fine line here. When we are in a healthy relationship and have an accurate view of God, we want to do things for Him. When, when I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, 
it leads me to desire to glorify God in everything I do. And so when I give of my time, I want to glorify God. When I give of my finances, I want to glorify God. How I raise my family, how I, how I interact with my wife, how I work at my job is a reflection of how much I love and desire to glorify my father because we're in a relationship. Not because I've got I've to earn that affection. And, and that's an inaccurate view. Let's, let's understand what this view does. And this is the third servant. Uh, verse 24. Then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And then he goes on. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. See, the master repeats the accusation but does not say whether it's true or not. It's an inaccurate view that the third servant had of his master. It's, I, I, I view you as a hard man. You're hard to please, God. Your standards are way too high. You don't exercise enough grace with me. Grace, by the way, is not lowering the bar. Grace is helping you up when you don't make it over the bar. And this man had a view of his master as a hard man. It's, it's what I said a couple weeks ago. How do you view Jesus? Is he your savior? Or is he your judge? Same man. But it's based on your, your conception or misconception of who he is. You see, if you're, if you're not in a relationship with him, then one day you will stand before him as judge. And yes, you will be afraid and you will have that to fear. Because I have put my faith and my faith is personal. I'm in a relationship with him that when I see him, I won't see him as my judge, but my savior. That's the beauty of the cross. Because when I put my faith in that relationship with Jesus, I am not judged based on me. I'm judged based on Jesus and the righteousness of God. And so I view him different. I won't stand before God and go, God, I know you're a hard guy. So, I mean, I just did the best I can. I try to live my life without making a mistake. You know, here's the thing. We all make mistakes. What is this saying? If you haven't made a mistake, you probably haven't made anything. God knows we're going to make mistakes. God does not expect perfection from you. I don't know if you grew up in a family system where your mother or your father expected perfection, or that's maybe some of the baggage you're carrying from your past, but that's not the case. And God does not expect that either. God says, I had grace. I'm not lowering the bar, but I have grace. And God desires us to be faithful. Um, it's, it's almost like this. When, when we fail, when we fall, we need to fall forward. Um, a man was talking about how to, to snowboard. And he says, if you're going to fall, man, fall forward. Because if you fall back, getting up is really hard. And so fall forward. I think our mentality is not going, hey, God, when I fall, I'm going to fall forward. It's God, you know, if I fall... 
Give me the grace to fall forward so that I'm moving forward in a relationship with you. A relationship with Jesus is not about avoiding mistakes. Now, we should avoid sin. That doesn't give us an excuse to go into sin. doesn't give us an excuse to abuse grace, but it means that we move forward, that we continue to move in the direction God has given us. Verse 28 and 29, Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's the thing we've got to understand. God has given us much and does require much of us. That's the principle in verse 29. The third servant missed out on his reward because he was unfaithful with the opportunities his master gave him. The master got his talent back, yes, but that's not what he wanted. He wanted the guy. He wanted the ability to say to the third servant, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come share in your master's happiness. God does not desire to cast any of us away. He desires to be in relationship with us. And the third servant refused it because he wouldn't, take those opportunities. I think a lot of us feel that our our reward is based on how much we can do for God. And as a guy, as people, I know women struggle with this. I know kids. I know parents. I know employees. Everybody. Our reward is based on our faithfulness, not on the size of our achievements. God doesn't care about the size of our achievement, but that we were faithful in it. Because we could build the biggest thing we could ever think of and God could say, but I lost you. It's not worth it. God says, be faithful in what I've given you. A couple years ago, we we were close with a family um, that Extreme Home Makeover rebuilt their home. They had gone through an extremely difficult situation. And uh, it was beautiful to watch this process because it's like ants rebuilding a mound. I mean, they destroy the house, and it's like big. But then all of these people come in, and all of a sudden, in seven days, you see this house just go up. Well, you know, there's a master plan to that process. For months, it has been in the works. And the day comes where it happens. And then people come in. One of our friends was a plumber on that job, or one of the many plumbers on that job. And he said it was so interesting because I would go in and they'd say, you're going to put in the faucet in the master bathroom and then come back. So he'd go put in this faucet and he'd come back. He didn't have to go in that job site and go, okay, I've got to figure out how to plumb the whole house. I've got to worry about this fitting and this fitting and this fitting and then coming up and all the pipes coming together here. I've got to figure out and worry about all this. He didn't have to be overwhelmed with that. He went in and was faithful with his responsibility, came out and did another responsibility. I think the kingdom of heaven works very similar to this. There has been a master plan for eternity for us to be involved in the work that God is building now. And God desires us to be faithful with our opportunities and not take it all on our shoulders to say, well, I've got to figure out how this goes, this goes, this goes, and this goes. God said, be faithful with what I've asked you to do. And that's the beauty of the kingdom of God. And the the, the great thing is Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're weary, come to me, I'll give you rest. Quit trying to do it all on your own. 
You've got an inaccurate view if you're wearing yourself out trying to build the kingdom by yourself. And what will end up happening is the master will lose you and get whatever it is you've put in the ground. And he says, I want you. So what, what is your view of God? I mean, are you motivated by trust? Are you motivated by fear? Are you motivated by, I got to show God how good I can be? Regardless of your motivation, is your, is your faith accurate? I mean, that's your reflection question. Uh, here's one thing I want you to do this week in your quiet times, is I want you to, to, to think, get, get down to the root levels and the core elements of your faith and ask God, is my faith in you accurate? Do I have any misconceptions here, God, that I'm operating on that's wearing me out? And let God begin to help you through that. Just say, God, I want to see you clearly for who you are. If you need help, email me. Get in the Word and see Jesus for who He really is. You take that. Don't miss out on a relationship with Jesus because you have an inaccurate view of who He is. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you that before time began, there was a plan for right now. That you um, created us and designed us with abilities. But Father, as your kids, you give us the opportunities to exercise those abilities. And so Father, I just ask that uh, as we live our life, um, forgive us when we whine and, and neglect the opportunities that you give us, when we whine about uh, our feelings on those. But God, you give us exactly what we need. Help us to be faithful with what you have given us. And God, there's, there may be some of us that have such a... a misunderstanding and an inaccurate view of faith that we have just we've been motivated by fear and we just we're exhausted that we we may have just be about at the point of giving up on all of this Father would you please just wrap us in your arms whisper into the depths of our soul I want you it's not about anything else I want you fathers we're overwhelmed by the truth that the creator of heaven and earth the God of heaven and earth who gives us life and breath and everything else who does not need anything that we can bring to you, desires us. So that we can know you as our Father, as our Redeemer, our Savior, our friend. So Father, as we live out our life, help us to glorify you Help our mentality, our attitude to 
not be about what we can produce for you, but about the relationship we can have with you. We love you so much. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray all this.